And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, Tim. Hello. How's it going? Uh, I'm feeling more at ease than I have in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Where are you? Uh, I'm at home in Chicago. My wife and I just realized, like, we have a band together, Good Fuck. And mm-hmm. we had been touring a ton. And then uh, when the pandemic hit, we were actually in Italy. We were trying to move there. Then the pandemic hit there and lockdowns hit there and we couldn't get our visas, but we had already subletted our apartment. So we had to go stay with her family in Green Bay. So, um, yeah, now we don't leave the house for, for like the previous year between touring and other stuff. We hadn't been home for like more than nine days at a time. So settling into a routine, it's good. Are you going to stick with that idea of living in Italy at some point? Man, I'd love to. I don't know. A lot of people talk about like if Trump's reelected, they're gonna move to Canada or something. It's mm-hmm. I spent a couple of years trying to get visas in different places. I could be uniquely useless as a middle-aged man who, who you know doesn't really have a skill to offer society, but uh, getting a visa at different places was not easy. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good advice for me because. I want to live in Italy. I don't know if my family does, but I really truly would try it out. I'm not just saying that like every other rock and roller that's been to an auto grill and loves. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We were I in really the, love, I love it there. Yeah. We were in the very Southern tip, but it doesn't feel like the rest of Europe as much as it felt uh-huh. like how I see the Middle East portrayed in movies and stuff. Like, 
you know, the bakery across the street from us was a 10th generation family business, you know, with like a oh. 350 year old recipe for their little breakfast cookies. Um, right. Wow. Um, so you say you're feeling a little bit better sense of relief. Well, Huge relief. Yeah. I actually yesterday read a novel for about an hour mm-hmm. and realized that I hadn't the last six months or so just, um, just that background energy getting yeah. used by anxiety. I was like, Oh my God, I haven't been able to read for a continuous hour just for enjoyment in like six months. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I guess we're thinking Joe Biden for you to be yourself a little bit. I know I don't think <laughs> yeah. he takes all the responsibility, but <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit to blame by allowing myself to get so worked <laughs> up, but yeah. Shit was terrifying, and yeah, still yeah, kind of is. Still is. We're not. I guess we're not done. Done yet. We still got to count. Um, what do you honestly think Donald is doing right now? Without trying (laughs) not to, trying not to be too snarky. Not. I'm not suggesting that you're snarky, but I would be snarky, so that's why I ask it that way. Um, what do you think he's doing? Like since he woke up this morning up until now i did i did read his schedule for today which was one closed uh-huh. door meeting uh-huh. yeah. and uh i saw that geraldo tweeted that they just got off a long phone call <laughs> um oh my God. i mean who can imagine what it would be like if i had to guess i imagine he is bullying someone mm-hmm. whoever is within his sphere at this moment yeah, I wonder if he has the ability to be sad about losing. Like, not just rage. No, you're right. It's rage. Um, he's not doing much. He's got one closed-door meeting. I mean, just the sense of entitlement is so far beyond what I think anyone else can comprehend. It's right. hard, hard to... I love imagining him sad. Yeah, I know he's going to make the transition very difficult for everyone yeah do you think that he's going to go as far as go number two in the toilet and not flush it because he <laughs> he's a child that i'm i i'm so glad to hear that that possibility compared to like the other like panic possibilities i have yeah well there's <laughs> going to be some things to be panicking about too but i'm just I'm being 95% serious. I think that will cross his mind when he's like, okay, where's my I mean, he might phone? go. Did I leave anything in the room? Uh, shit. You know, like when you're looking around a hotel room when you're yeah. leaving. I mean, he could go so far as uh, doing an upper decker. Mm. <laughs> a term I was just reminded of. Oh, God. Uh, what a term. <laughs> well, we'll see over the next few years at, at the very least, maybe the next four years. Um, well, since March, we've had a pandemic. What's your day look like? We were in New Mexico for a month last fall. Mm-hmm. And um, I was acting in a movie, which is really cool and weird. It's not like a thing I'd done, done before. Um, so Jen was in this house in the desert. So she ended up like starting like 30 songs that month. Because, you know, there was like 
packs of dogs walking around and she had no car and it's like the desert. So it's like, well, yeah. guess I'm getting something done. So, um, you know, we started working on them and then when we got back, we had to go to stay in green Bay till our subletter was gone. So we set up a studio in her parents' basement and, uh, I, I, I think we've released nine EPs on Bandcamp this year and oh. like maybe another three or four singles. So it, it became like the central organizing principle in our lives. Um, that was March until September maybe. And then we just put a lot of time into volunteering for the Biden campaign in different ways. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was I've also like carried a Xanax in my pocket forever. And I never really needed to take it unless I was getting on an airplane. Yeah. But now this year I have a Xanax dependency. Uh-oh. Um, Be careful. Yeah, I know. I, I've, I've gone through like phases before and it's the worst at the end. Like, But yeah, this last week I like reducing my dosage feels great. Good. So you were in Chicago for the protests when they were in full swing. Did you join or see a lot of the protests and marches? We actually um, were back and forth between here and Jen's parents. Um, Mm -hmm. So we were at protests in Milwaukee and Green Bay. And that was pretty crazy to see because, like, I was at a lot of, like, Iraq War protests years ago. And, like, Chicago has, like, such an intense stormtrooper presence, you know? And, like, I got kettled in at one of those in like 2003 or four. And but in Milwaukee, it was like 5,000 people marching and we didn't see a cop the whole time, which was just so different than the Chicago experience. And Green Bay, the organizers said it was like uh, the biggest protest or political rally in Green Bay's history. That felt really good because, you know, Green Bay is a pretty uh, kind of time warpy place. <laughs> you know? It's not a bastion of uh, progressive politics. Right. (laughs) Um, Since the movement started or or restarted, I guess, you know, it's just it blew up this year, thankfully. Um, Have you noticed a change in yourself or your behavior or your peer community behavior? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, In terms of my friends, I personally felt a little more free to uh, speak up without everyone. I was always like the guy who would like be in a bad mood at like a 4th of July barbecue. Cause I'd be like, ah, we're celebrating the history of imperial oppression. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> I'm like, but like, yeah, or I'd be like surly on Thanksgiving. Um, so felt a little good to not feel like I was the wet blanket everywhere. Yeah. Gave you a little freedom. And I guess the easy thing is there's more awareness and people are more willing to talk about this stuff, which it seems. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mentioned volunteering for the Biden campaign and it was like Mm -hmm. just being engaged in like working for something that I believed Mm in. It's like a feedback loop of hope, you know? And, um, you know, you know that uh, the philosopher Zizek, I don't. He's like a contemporary philosopher who's sort of crossed over. He has like a, a real like a shrubby look and he talks kind of frantic. So he has like a bit of a personality. So he's made like a 
big crossover onto YouTube in a way that philosophers don't generally do. And he, in 2016, wanted Donald Trump to be elected because he thought it would provoke all the complacent Americans into like finally stepping up with Uh progressive policies and getting more active. And at the time I was just like, oh, so easy for him to say from the other side of the world. But now I keep thinking about like, it is really inspiring. I've never known so many of my friends to find everyone's finding ways to get involved. And that's reassuring. Yeah. I guess it's hard for me to, I don't know if admit or, or just understand how that, because it's dangerous, but I'm thinking his philosophy runs deeper and maybe more desperate. And it's like, this is what we need. We need to yeah. actually light it on fire. Right. And um, everyone yeah. can just dig a hole while it's burning down. And then we can pop up and start planting plants again. <laughs> I think, you know, Captain Beefheart had this thing about always wearing his hat. And he would talk about like, when you're like, making a soup or jambalaya or something you got to like put the lid on it to like keep the heat in and that's why he yeah. always wore his hat to like keep his keep his ideas percolating so i think zizek sort of meant that like okay there's all this injustice and like corruption and violence and all these things and they're just sort of stewing let's like pressure cook it till people demand change yeah. Um, well, aside from addressing and digesting pandemic, election, social injustice news, are you watching or reading anything silly or doing anything silly or fun? You know, the big thing, I've, I've never mixed my own music before, um, but I never, so I, I have like a long relationship with Pro Tools where it is a writing tool for me as much as a recording tool, Mm -hmm. which I think is very common now. Um, But I never mixed my own music before. I think I always just thought like, you know, I'm I'm also not going to like repair the electricity in my house or like, you know, know, there's specialists. I want a (laughs) specialist touch, you know, but um, with nothing else to do, like there was this one song I got this like cool, weird homemade spring called a noise alarm from this guy in Italy who makes them. You know, you just like run it through effects and it's just like, there's four springs and different lengths. And I spent eight hours, like uh, there's like a spring with a a changing delay rate (laughs) to like emphasize a change. And and it's like, that's like an (laughs) overdub that I would have, I would have thought of that same overdub any time in my life, maybe, and and spent right. 10 minutes on, like, let's get this delay <laughs> rate right. But I sat there for eight hours, like, no, 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 <laughs> I'm going to get it. And it makes me so happy. Oh, that's cool. So that's that's been the big thing is, but in terms of, like, I'm also watching the worst show ever made. Tell me what it the, is. Jericho? Do you know that? No. Sounds bad. It sounds like the font of Jericho might be damaged looking. <laughs> you are on. Did you Google that? No. Yeah. It's like, I think it's supposed to make you think of the Old Testament, but it definitely has like a damaged, you know, it's, 
post-apocalyptic network TV. So every whatever seven minutes, it's like bum bum bum, and it's oddly reassuring because it's like post-apocalyptic, but they're all like still clean. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <it's> like... <laughs> I, that's going to be the most the new post-apocalyptic. It's just going to be like at first people are going to be like watch a show that claims to be post-apocalyptic but then it'll be like they're just sitting in apartments and their electricity's on it's like yeah it's still post-apocalyptic yeah yeah <laughs> and it's so years ago i read all the sherlock holmes books within like yeah. a month or two and it was when i was married before years ago and it was during our breakup and i'm like reading all these sherlock holmes books just thinking like oh, this is what I'm doing to pass the time. And only years later, I was like, oh, right. I was like trying to learn detective skills to like figure out this mystery in the center of my life. Interesting. Yeah, but I didn't even know I was doing it at the time. Yeah. It was only like later. So I think I was pretty far into Jericho before I was like, oh, I'm finding this so reassuring because it's about societal class, but it doesn't seem as bad as america right now (laughs) (laughs) did you have a bunch of touring planned in 2020 and 2021 you know um we were in a weird spot joan of arc had decided to break up um we really enjoy each other's company but it was just like diminishing returns or something Mm-hmm. The new record, we were, I think we were thinking like, like, man, we can't do this anymore. Like, there's just like, for every good show, there's like two shows to 50 people where we're like, yeah, hardly breaking even. Even our last tour, which was two years ago now, there was still like one show that no one showed up. <laughs> You're like, Jesus Christ, like, we're still doing yeah. this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it was like a small town in Wales. And we were like, why? why did we come? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Cause you know, at this point we had played like 50 shows or something. So we're like super tight mm-hmm. and like so dialed in and like, yeah. So I'm just saying it, it just makes it like doubly humiliating to like show up to this show. And then there's like no audience and it's like, really? Okay. We're going to play for like, the promoter's daughter and her friends like that's it right just so we can get dinner and the guarantee in the rooms but like we're like so good at this <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> it's it's not for everyone but what we're doing we've like really gotten good at it and no one cares so uh, oh man so yeah so um i'm not saying we broke up because of that one show but i am saying yeah touring was getting harder and harder for like none of us have kids but we do all have rides and expenses. And um, so I think we just made the last record. We were thinking of it more as a punctuation mark than like a, a thing to like promote, you know, one last hurrah or something. Yeah. Cool. Um, I want to play Destiny Revision. You cool with that? Sounds good. All right. Here goes. <laughs>
pretty number. Thank you. Yeah. So have you played these songs? No. We we never have. And I'm definitely thinking of this record as like the end of like a trio of records made with the same lineup in similar ways. The basic idea was like setting up every piece of equipment that any of us owns. I think I read like a Daniel Lanois interview about like him getting in a fight with Bob Dylan years ago, trying to record a Bob Dylan thing and talking about how Bob Dylan would just like walk from instrument to instrument (laughs) as the band was recording and just be like, I'm playing piano now and they just have to chase him around with mics. And um, (laughs) I think that was what made me first think of it. But what we started doing was like, spending a whole day getting set up and figuring out like the feng shui of the room so Mm -hmm. that like everyone could feel free to move from one instrument to another and then just doing these sort of endurance jams and then kind of excavating the songs out of those um this record more than the previous two had a couple songs that started with riffs um this might be one of those but i still if we were to play it live i don't know who would play what instrument Right. That sort of walking around vibe reminds me of, have you ever seen Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? Not live. I saw them a few years ago at a smaller club. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be invited to this small club in LA to watch them. And it was fantastic, of course. But one thing, the most striking thing to me was Mike Campbell, the Mm -hmm. guitarist, looked like he had his, you know, he has a million guitars, not a million, but half a million guitars (laughs) and um, pedals and little amps and big amps. And he has a little corner, a station, if you will. And he, he plays a lot of solos and then we'll play rhythm, but there's another guitarist, at least one playing rhythm. So he can step in and out of the song and play hooks and solos. And watching him, he was just walking around and like, stepping on pedals that were sparsely spread around the stage (laughs) and kind of like it looked like like you know like what someone looks like when they're tuning with a pedal right yeah yeah but he wasn't tuning it he was just like trying stuff out yeah and it was like he was walking around a music store and everything was plugged in he's like (laughs) but then it was amplified it was really ultimately the coolest thing he has a yeah pretty cool swagger and yeah i mean everyone else is holding it down He's that like chance variable. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just you saying uh, Feng Shui, you know, I think he had a, his little zones. He seemed so comfortable. Yeah. And we, we, so we took this recording idea to its most extreme two records ago. And mm-hmm. for that record, we didn't write anything. We just, we went to weird non studio spots. It was kind of like a canned style endurance thing of like, no, no, we, we're just going to go for an hour. And, and don't stop however shitty it's sounding. We're just going to push through. So, that we, you know, we had hours and hours and hours. And on this record, which is sort of like half that and half songs, um, there's a couple songs that when we got time to mix because we would chain each other's instruments through things too. So that's why I'm saying like we wouldn't know how to play anything because it would be like, as we're recording, Bobby might be playing bass, but... Molina's just sitting there with like, you know, a string of effects pedals affecting what Abby is playing as he's doing it. So there's a couple songs in this record that once we started mixing, we would sort of realize like, oh, we got like four instruments 
recorded onto one track here. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> like we can't mix this. We can just sort of like EQ it best, best we can. Yeah. Right. Which is oddly liberating. Did you find any fruit with your endurance, with your just pushing through and Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. All all the fruit was on the other side of thinking it was. Yeah. It's fun being in a band. <laughs> yeah, it's fun hashing things out like that. I, I think if you have the time and the means and the um, strength to make it through, uh, not necessarily loud, but, you know, uh, it's a lot of information coming at you when you're thinking about a song. And, you know, it's fairly taxing with volume mm-hmm. and different frequencies. And that's why you get that weird tired. But I think it's worth it to get through stuff like that i mean even if it's listening to a drum loop or something you've yeah, yeah. you've made by yourself and uh putting that on in the car for a while are you excited about any music right now is there anything new to you that you you've got on repeat in your house or man you know i have that, that tears for fears song uh mad world on repeat in my head for the last week but there's this spotify playlist it's spelled G-Q-O-M. O-H exclamation point X Crudo Volta Washa mixtape. One of these songs is Woza by something spelled S-B-U-C-A-R-D-O da DJ. I, I, I just don't know what this music is. Like, cause I can't, I don't know if it's like another language. There's like some references to Africa. I don't know if it's slang, but yeah, I'm like super into this like three hour playlist that, uh, I don't that I can't imagine what it is. It has that great sound when like it sounds like people like like the fall, how the fall sounds kind of like they can't play their instruments. Yeah. And that tension of how they can't play. Yeah, it's so exciting to me because I feel like I'm kind of on another planet with it. Yeah. Also the last couple of days I've been listening to Outhud, which I hadn't thought of in forever. Oh really? Yeah. I hadn't thought of it in like fifteen years. And uh we go to the museum a couple times week for an hour i don't know what i'm gonna listen to but it ends up i'm listening to outcut for an hour while looking at these 2000 year old chinese bowls i like the combo yeah it's great all right well i'm gonna let you go but um do you have any advice for people or what do you do when in these chaotic (laughs) times to uh, it sounds like Xanax. Um, you yeah, describe no. Xanax if I you don't. Want. That's not what I would want. You know, I think uh, something happened when I was about early 30s, right? And like my favorite Bad Brains record when I was 12, like I could listen to it. And every time I came back to it, I'd hear like more in it, you know, like my hearing had changed. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's related to that as like, all the sort of like punk rock lessons when I was a kid that became cliches to all of us, but it was sort of like having a foundation of these things, like even something like Fugazi, right? Like at the time, part of what was so powerful about them, same as like Fela, maybe even Bob Marley was like how righteous they were. But then like looking back on it with distance, it's like even more badass. That's a good point. So I think that, uh, my advice would be that like everyone already knows everything they need to know. They just need to remember they know it. You know what I mean? I do. And that the good lessons really do work. 
Yeah. All right, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate you having me on. I hope to see you someday, hopefully in Chicago. Yeah. Or I mean, wherever. I mean, really, hopefully Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully see you soon. And bye. Bye. Yes.